Well, good morning, and I am thankful to be here today. We are in Genesis chapter 1. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. And uh, there is something precious about little babies. And I just love, love, love little babies. And then we have to grow up. But uh, I love those little babies. But this morning, we're in Genesis chapter 1, looking from verse number 26 and following, just talking about... Being somebody special, uh, that, that, that you are somebody special. And it's not because of what you've done or what because you haven't done, uh, but it's all because of who God is, uh, that you are somebody special today. You know, I, I was raised down in West Palm Beach in South Florida, and, uh, and then my family moved away from there, but uh, uh, grew up at the beach. And a lot of my little days, my, my, my little kid days were at the beach. And so uh, we would oftentimes go down there and, and build sandcastles at the beach. And I, I just enjoyed doing that when I was a child. And I'd build these little sandcastles. And of course, I'm one of several uh, brothers and one sister. And, uh, and, uh, and, and let me tell you, there's been more than one fight happen at the beach because somebody stepped on my sandcastle. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you go down there and, and you put all that time and all that effort and then to find somebody that's going to come along and step on my masterpiece, the audacity that somebody would do that to my masterpiece. And, uh, and, and I think about that and I think about life and, uh, and, and how precious life is and that life is God's masterpiece of his creation, the apex of creation, uh, the centerpiece would be humankind. And, uh, and, and to think that we would have the audacity to come along and squash life. The Bible says in Psalm chapter number eight and in verse number three through five, in Psalm verse, uh, chapter eight, verses three through five, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him. And yet you have made him a little lower than God and you crown him with glory and majesty. And it goes on from there. But, but basically what he's saying is simply this in the psalm. The psalmist is saying, hey, go outside and look at the work of God's fingers. Go outside and look at what he spoke into existence. He spoke the stars into place, the vastness of the heavens. In fact, you go out there and look at the oceans and incredible beauty. Look at the mountains and the majesty that are on display in the mountains. And he said, I want you to understand something as an individual. You are more precious than all of these things. You are somebody special this morning, because there's a big God in heaven that knows you uniquely, that created you uniquely, like nobody else that's ever been or ever will be. You're not an accident. You're not just something that took place, but, but, but rather you are somebody special because we have a God that created you. You are the centerpiece of creation, created by God and created for God. Genesis chapter number one, verse number 26 is where we are this morning. This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Day. And, uh, and if you're aware of what's going on uh, with, with Sanctity of Life Sunday, it's just simply saying, hey, the darkest of days, one of the darkest of days in the history of our nation, I believe, would have been back uh, on, on, on Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade took place all the way back January 22nd of 1973. And since that time, we've seen an assault on the sanctity of human life. And so what 
the church has done is the church has said, we're gonna designate the time closest to that day to shine light on the fact that, listen, you are special. You are precious. Life is to be protected. The sanctity of life. Genesis 1, verses number 26 and following. And the Bible says this, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And uh, today just talking about again how special you are because of how great our God is and what he has done. You are created by God. And uh, you know, it's interesting when you read the whole account in Genesis chapter number one, uh, what you'll find is, is the creation account uh, given to us. And, uh, and it's interesting how on every day when God created, uh, there was a declaration made at the end of the day where God said, it was good. It was good. The mountains, it was good. The oceans, it was good. Light, it was good. But when he created mankind, he said, oh, it was very good. It's extra special. This is the pinnacle. This is the apex. This is people humans. And, uh, and so today, just talking about, again, how you are created by God. You're not an accident. You're created specially by God. The Bible says in verse number 26, it says, let us. And when you're t- talking about the us there, uh, uh, we're talking about the Trinity. You know, nowhere in the Bible will you, will you find that term mentioned, the Trinity, and yet you'll find God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, but yet in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all active during the work of creation. Uh, uh, in fact, the Bible says in Genesis chapter number one, if you turn back just a little bit, uh, in Genesis chapter number one, verses number one and two, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and, and, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And so we see a glimpse, we catch a glimpse of both God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But then in John chapter number one and verses number one through three, in John chapter number one, verses number one through three, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And the Bible goes on in John chapter number one to say who the word is. The word became flesh, Jesus Christ. And so so what we see at the creation account is, is, is all three members of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were active uh, uh, creating this place. And he created the entire universe, and yet he also created each one of us very uniquely, very specially. His creation of humankind didn't stop in the Garden of Eden. It didn't stop with Adam and Eve, but yet he created you and he created me. He knit us together. The Bible says in Psalm number 139, it gives us a glimpse again of our creation. The Bible says how special we are. Psalm 139, beginning in verse number 13 and following, the Bible says this, for you formed my inward parts, 
You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. And just thinking about how special you are. Do you know, do you know when you're talking about who you are, you are an original? You're, you're an original. There's not, never been one of you before. There's never gonna be one of you again. And, and, and you, know what's, you know what's so crazy about us as people? Uh, there, there, there's a lot of crazy about us as people. But you know, what's, you know what's oftentimes so crazy about us as people is how we can get around other folks and feel like, man, I need to be more like them. And, and you find people that alter their personality, alter the way they walk, alter the way they talk, alter the way that God created them specially and uniquely because we're so trying to be like somebody that we're not. And can I tell you something? You will always fail. Because that's not who God created you to be. God created you specially and uniquely. I, I mean, he's gifted you uh, uh, with special fingerprints. His fingerprints are all over you. And God helped me to understand who I am. Uh, God, now, now does, that mean, does that mean, hey, look, there's some people that you get around and they love and it's like, I wanna love like they love. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I want to I be compassionate like they're compassionate. I want to serve like they serve. Okay, cool. And, and, and that's wonderful to mimic. In fact, the Apostle Paul even said, hey, uh, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, but not become me. And there's a difference between trying to become somebody that you're not and follow somebody's obedience. And so God help me, again, to, to glean from others, but not try to be somebody that I am not. And when you think about God, because there's a lot of people today that feel like, man, I've just been a mistake. In fact, some people even believe their whole life is a mistake. Mom and dad just had an oops moment. You know, there's no such thing as an oops moment when it comes to creation, you are special. If God didn't want you here, he wouldn't have created you, but he created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He's the one that formed you and gave you life. Not just two individuals, but God Almighty. You're somebody special, and he didn't make any mistakes. And yet we see a world, we're living in a day where there's an assault on, on the sanctity of human life. Uh, life is not mine to take. My, life is not yours to take. Uh, God, God is the one who's the giver and the taker of life. And God help us uh, in dealing with this issue. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways that we assault the sanctity of life. There's a lot of different ways that we assault the sanctity of life. And, 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 and one of the ways that have been uh, uprising lately, especially, uh, is suicide. Suicide is an assault on the sanctity of human life. When you think about the numbers, the numbers of suicides that take place, there's 45,000 a year, 123 a day. You know what that means? Do you know what that means? That even, even during our service time this morning, on average, on average, even during the time that we've come in and the time that we're gonna be leaving today in the United States of America, there will be five people that will successfully commit suicide. Now, we do know that many who 
are attempting and successful at committing suicide are struggling with the mental disorder. And mental disorders are very real. And I, and I do want to encourage you this morning because I, I'm not sure who's here, uh, but I'm certain that with this many people, there's some people that struggle with that issue. And, and, and can I just encourage you and just let you know that God especially created you with significance and purpose and meaning. You are loved incredibly. God, help us <clears throat> to love on those. The world needs to know that they are special. When you're talking about a humanist philosophy, a humanistic worldview that tells you that, listen, you're nothing more than just an accident. And when life stinks, why not check out? But can I tell you, there's more to life than that. There's a God that specially created you, specially designed you, has significance and purpose and meaning for you. And I want to encourage you this morning to call on his name. God, help us to love people. Do you know <clears throat> there are a lot of folks that just need somebody to listen, need somebody to love, and God, help us be that person. In fact, when you're talking, I don't know why I'm staying here this morning, but, but when you're talking about suicide, it's not the answer. It's not the answer. You're dumping all your problems on other people. And so God, help me. Uh, to understand, <clears throat> again, that that's not a good answer for who I am. Uh, th there's homicide. There's open homicide. And, and this morning when you're talking about homicide and the numbers of people that are killed by homicide, uh, uh, if you break it down to service time, service time, during this service time, on average, on average, two people in our country will be killed during this service today. Two. But that's not just during the service time. That's this service every day of every week, of every month, of every year. Homicide. <clears throat> it's, it's an assault on the sanctity of life. And so God help us. Uh, but do you know, here, here's where we gotta be careful. Again, sometimes we look at these things and say, I ain't never done that, I ain't never gonna do that. Well, you know what, you know what Jesus Christ said? Jesus Christ said, hey, there's, there's not just the physical homicide, but there's also homicide of the heart. Uh, Jesus Christ said over in Matthew chapter five, remember when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount? And he said this in Matthew five, verse number 21 through 24. He said, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go to the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you today and ask the question, is, has, has your brother got something? Do you, do you see what Jesus said? It's not just do you have something against your brother, but does your brother have something against you that you need to resolve the issue before you move forward? Why? Because it escalates. It escalates and it strangles relationships and it destroys relationships. It destroys family when we harbor hatred in our heart towards others, an unforgiving spirit. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, it's not just about the physical homicide. There's a homicide of the heart and it's ultimately an assault on the sanctity and the sacredness that God created them, God created you, God created people specially and uniquely with significance and purpose, not just for you to spit on, God help us 
to love. Euthanasia, euthanasia. <clears throat> you know, thinking about where we are, and that's a difficult task. It's a difficult responsibility. Pray for our doctors, man. Pray for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. End of life, especially treatments. God, help us to know. Euthanasia, in other words, who, who are we to decide whether the quality of life is significant enough such that they can have life? And it's not just end of life, it's also beginning of life. Well, this, this one that's gonna be born here, uh, they're gonna have some difficulties in life, so the quality's not gonna be there, so let's end it. Well, who, who am I to say that? Can I, can I tell you that I believe that I'm a believer of this. God doesn't make mistakes along the way. I don't understand everything and why things are the way they are, but I do know this. God never makes mistakes. And it's through difficulties, in fact, oftentimes that he accomplishes his ultimate purposes. It's amazing what he can do in and through individuals who we say, well, they don't have the quality of life. Who am I to say that? God help me when it comes to life and euthanasia. Obviously, by far, the leading culprit that we have in the sanctity of life and assaulting life is the abortion topic, the abortion topic. And when you're talking about abortion, you know, <clears throat> I don't know where you are, but... The, the, the question oftentimes, in fact, the, the leading question when you're talking about abortion would be this, when does life begin? When does life begin? That's the question that's often asked. That's at the center of the discussion. So when does life begin? And, uh, and, 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 so, and so I don't know uh, about you, but when I, when I look at when does life begin, I wanna say, what does the Bible say about that? And, 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 and true, what does science say about that? And when you're talking about both science and scripture, I would say that, that both science and scripture would point to the fact that I believe that life begins at the moment of conception. Uh, uh, when you're talking about Jesus Christ, ultimately, when you're talking about Jesus Christ, was there ever a time when Jesus Christ didn't even exist, that he just became a blob of nothing? I would say he always has been and always will be. He didn't just not exist. And when you're looking at, again, people and, 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 and what happens in life and what happens at conception, when, when, when the sperm and the egg come together and that first cell is, is fashioned or is formed and there's 46 chromosomes, you got 23 from the mom and 23 from the dad and they come together and this first little cell begins do you know that mama doesn't bring anything more to the table from that point forward but nutrition during the rest of the gestation period? What do you mean by that? Meaning I'm gonna feed that baby. I'm gonna guard that baby in my womb. And we do that not only in the womb, but we do that once they're outside the womb too. I, I, I mean, think about it. You say, well, well, it's not alive. If they weren't dependent upon their mother, well, you know what? My, my, my little grandbaby's dependent upon his his. It's not a his, it's a hers. Maybe that's a prophetic word, Will and Bethany. But uh, <laughs> but do you know that once you're outside the womb, you're also dependent upon your mother for guarding you. You're, you're, you're dependent upon your mother for nutrition, for feeding you. When you're talking about science, human uh, there was a human bill of rights passed by Congress and it read this way. Each human life begins with fertilization, cloning or its equivalent. 
at which time every human has all the legal and constitutional attributes and privileges of personhood. And yet, we have those that would say, hey, abortion is cool, it's okay. Scripture, when you're talking about Scripture, when you're talking about the Bible, there's a special word, one in particular, that you can look at, and, and, and it's called brephos. And, uh, and this one word is used eight times through the Bible, uh, some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament. When you're looking at this one word in particular, six out of the eight times, six out of the eight times, it refers to a little infant who has been born. In other words, after they came out of the womb. Two of the times, the same exact word was used to describe a baby in the womb. In fact, it says over in Jeremiah chapter number one and verse number four and five. Jeremiah chapter number one and verse number four and five. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Brephus, he's a brephus over in the gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter, uh, uh, in Luke chapter number one and in verse number 41, the Bible says this in Luke 41, or chapter one, verse 41, it says, when Elizabeth and Mary's greeting, uh, heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. Just talking again about this newborn baby. <clears throat> One that hadn't even been born yet. A preborn baby, if you will. And, uh, and, and, and so God help us understand again, uh, when does life begin and how precious is life? I'm grateful to God. I'm so thankful to God for a women's pregnancy center. Uh, and the work that they do. They come alongside of people who are making major life decisions. You know, we've all, we've all, hey, listen, you gotta be careful when you're talking to people who make mistakes because I am one of them. We all make mistakes along the way. We, we, we've all made mistakes along the way. And what we have to be careful of is not just throwing rocks at people, but saying, hey, I need to come alongside of you and, and help you and make sure that, that, that one bad decision doesn't lead to another bad decision to another bad decision. And so the Women's Pregnancy Center comes alongside and says, hey, I wanna encourage you to come alongside of you. And God help us, we as a church body, we support them. In fact, we have several of you in the body this morning who are actually uh, 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 counselors. And so what you have the privilege and opportunity to do is to be able to come alongside of somebody in the midst of a difficult decision. Imagine being 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old and all of a sudden you're pregnant. What do you do? Where do you turn? And some of them, some of them, their moms and dads have turned backs on them because, man, you made that mistake. You're an embarrassment to the family. And that's what they hear. And listen, although I'm not defending a mistake, we've all made mistakes, but I do know this, we need to come alongside of people and help them. And that means sometimes we gotta pull up our sleeves and, and go where it's difficult to minister. And so God help us. And so this morning, I don't know, uh, you might even be here and say, I'd, I'd love to be a part of that ministry. That's Frontline Ministry, a Women's Pregnancy Center. And, and, and really our contact person has always been Miss Luanda. And so uh, she's right here in this white sweater over here. And so uh, if, if you're interested at all in serving Women's Pregnancy Center, come see Miss Luanda and, and, and she'll answer questions for you, help you out along the way. And, uh, and by the way, it's not just ladies, it's men too. It's men too. Uh, there's young men who are involved in the process and needing somebody to love them, somebody to speak into their life. 
And so God help us. It's one thing to stand and say, you know, hey, support life. It's another thing to come along and say, invest, invest. You know, help, help young people in the midst of difficult days. Uh, and, 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 and in many of them, many of them, I'll tell you what's happening. Many of them are saying, you know what? I need to put my baby up for adoption. And maybe you're here this morning and say, hey, that's something I'd like to be a part of. And I would encourage you, man, if, if you're interested in, in adopting a little baby, do you, do you know that here in, in, in the last several months, hey, listen to this story. Last several months, COVID, <clears throat> COVID had the abortion clinic shut down in Orlando, Florida. A young lady went to the abortion clinic and couldn't get in to the abortion clinic. And so she ended up going down talking to the hospital because the baby was about to come, goes down, delivers the baby, puts the baby up for adoption. Baby saved because COVID shut down the uh, abortion clinic. Aren't you grateful to God for that? Tell me that he's not, he's, not, he's not a God that says, hey, there's purpose, there's meaning in life. God help us. What part can I play? <clears throat> it's one thing, again, to stand and say, I, I, I support life. It's another thing to say, hey, I'll come alongside and help somebody in the midst of difficult moments in life. God help us to stand for Life, you're created by God. You are created by God. You're not an accident. But you're not only created by God, you're also created for God. You are created for God. He has purposes for you. The Bible says in verse number 26, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Which, by the way, I I don't believe that God ever makes mistakes. I don't think that God ever puts a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body. Y'all okay this morning? When you're talking about God, he says, I created you in in my image. So what does that mean? That's a big question. What does that mean? To be created in the image of God. To be created in the image of God. What does that mean exactly? Uh, it's, It's definitely more than just physical. In fact, I don't even think it's referring to just simply physical because God is not, Physical, God is spirit. The Bible says over in John's gospel that God is spirit. And so it's more to it than that. But it, but, but it, but it means this. It means that man, man is special. Man is uniquely created. In fact, over in the book of Corinthians, in, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse number 39. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 39, the Bible says all flesh is not the same flesh. But there's one flesh of men. And another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. And so he's saying, hey, listen, you are special. You are unique. Uh, and, and oftentimes what we do is, 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 I know that evolution, evolution says, oh, you're just a higher form of an animal. You're just an animal, just another animal, just like the rest of them. And the fact is, God's word says, no, you're not. You're, you're special. You're a man. You're created in the image of of God, there's got to be something more to it than just the physical difference. Because the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> we're all living, uh, uh, we're all living beings sharing the same environment. Therefore, we do have eyes, we do have lungs that are similar, respiratory systems that are similar to the rest of the animals. But what is it that makes us unique? That you would be, as God says, created in my image. You are uh, uh, created in the image of God. I would say there's several things to to, to being created in the image of. God. One of them would be just simply the superior mental capacity, the superior mental uh, capacity. When you're talking about 
mental capacity. What do you mean by superior mental capacity? The, the ability to think abstractly. I mean, when you're talking about the, the, the way that we can think abstractly, the way that we can put ideas together and build on those different ideas. I mean, I mean where we're living, where we're driving. You know, I mean, I mean, we're not just walking everywhere we go. Uh, we, we have automobiles now. We, we, we have airplanes. I'm thankful they're not depending upon my mental superiority because we'd still be walking. But aren't you thankful that we can think abstractly as individuals, as people? There's a, there, there's a superior mental capacity. Uh, uh, we can think abstractly. We have different forms of languages even. When you're talking about uh, the language, languages, we can sound like dogs, but dogs can't sound like us or kitty cats or whatever it might be. We can make those noises, but they don't have conversations. I mean, we have multiple languages. We have many, many languages to be able to think. Uh, uh, we, we, we have superior mental capacity. When you're talking about animals, I know a lot of times we give uh, uh, more credit than, 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 than credit ought to be due, uh, but, we, but we train animals. We don't teach animals, we train animals, and there's a difference. We train animals, why do we train animals? Because they, 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 they function off of conditioned responses. That's how they're functioning, off of a conditioned response. We train them, <clears throat> to teach knowledge, to teach reason. We don't do that with them. In fact, sometimes it's interesting because when we're talking about training animals, I, I don't know if we're training them or they're training us. <laughs> the superior mental capacity, <clears throat> the moral capacity. Uh, we, we, we have morals. Sometimes I wonder, but we do have morals. There's, do, you know, do you know that God created mankind with an innate awareness? a moral compass on the inside? The Bible says over in Romans, in Romans chapter number two and in verse number 15, in Romans chapter number two and in verse number 15, the Bible says it like this, and that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Who's he talking about they? They're talking about the Gentiles. Back up to verse 14. It's not on the overhead. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are law to themselves in, the, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience being witnesses uh, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. And it goes on from there. But just simply making the case that, listen, we have a moral capacity that does not exist with animals. We have the capacity to love. We have the capacity to laugh. I've never heard an animal laughing. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to think that my dog's smiling. He's a happy dog. But he's never laughed. We have the capacity to laugh. We have the capacity to love. We have the capacity for morals. We, 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 innately, we're created in the image of God. But ultimately, I believe it has to do with spiritual, spiritually. Uh, when you're talking about people, uh, we have eternity uh, uh, impressed upon who we are. In other words, if you were to ask somebody uh, older in years, you know, hey, how you doing? In fact, there was a fellow that, that, that was asked the question, how you doing? He said, well, I've never been better, but this old shack I'm living in is breaking down. And uh, what, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, I'm built for eternity. Do you know that you and I are built for eternity? Now, we're in this house that's rickety. It's, some, it's rickety. It's falling apart. But, 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 but there's an eternity 
that we will live for. Uh, we have the opportunity as individuals to have an intimate relationship with our creator, God. Uh, we can have fellowship with him. We can be intimate with God Almighty, the spiritual capacity. And this morning, I want to ask you this simple question. Do you have relationship with God Almighty? Because you see, when you're talking about being special, part of being special is the opportunity to have relationship with the creator. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that relationship can only be had when you call on his name and come to him through Jesus Christ. The Bible is so clear. God created us specially, put us in a garden, and we messed up. We messed up and sinned against God. And we have all inherited, been born with that same sinful nature that separates us from a holy God. He's holy, he's perfect, and he's good. And we're not. But God said, these are special to me. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And Jesus Christ came, and he laid down the, his life on the cross. Why, why the cross? What's that all about? Well, because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In fact, God's word says without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus Christ shed his blood so that that which separates me from a holy God can be forgiven, can be wiped away clean. And I can have intimacy with my creator. And it's only when I have intimacy with my creator that I can understand why I'm here. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse number 10, you are God's workmanship. Back up to verses eight and nine. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not by works, lest any man should. It's not about what you've done or haven't done, but it's what he did. And when we have been born again, he says, you are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. You're God's masterpiece. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the works that I have prepared for you in advance. There's a significant purpose for which you have been created. God wants you to understand what that is. And so this morning, it starts with a relationship with him. If you've never called on his name, I'm inviting you to call on his name today. He loves you, has a plan and a purpose for you. Call on his name this morning.